And now, Jalen and Jacoby. Where the fuck is Trump? Head to dead. Gotta give us what we want. Uh, gotta give us what we need. Worry about my posse getting jumped. Cause if we ever do, yo TV pop the trunk. Cause we make a pop the trunk and hit the switch. Now act stupid, I'll pop the trunk. <laughs> give me a po-po, Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to Jalen and Jacoby. We have George Sedano back again on Jalen and Jacoby. Twice in a week, George. Welcome back. I love it. Thanks for having me back. You're so famous now. You're hosting the jump. You're hosting Jalen and Jacoby. You're hosting the Sedano show. Do you have yeah. time for your family? Uh, I don't. And I squeeze in around the horn every once in a while, too. So, yes, I uh, I, ha- I don't see the 10-month-old. I get to see the 5-year-old, though, because she gets to stay up a little later. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, so it's cool. What time do you get home? Like 7.30? Yeah-ish, you know. Good. Yeah. We have George here on Jalen and Jacoby, and they had Carmelo Anthony on first take. He spoke with Stephen A. about Daryl Morey notifying him that he's no longer going to be in the Rockets. Let's listen to Carmelo Anthony. He came in and he was just like, look, basically your service is no, no longer needed. Yeah. And I'm like, hold on, what the, what, what the hell are you talking about? He's like, nah, you know, we, it, things just not working out. And you got to figure out, you got to figure out something to do. I'm like, how the hell am I going to figure something out to do? I got a game tomorrow. Yeah. Now nah, you're not going to suit up tomorrow. So then I started taking it even deeper. I'm like, you mean it? He told me I could. I wasn't gonna make the rotation. I'm like, I can't make a, a nine man rotation. That's what you're trying to tell me. I've already starting to accept the fact that I got to come off the bench, which was very hard for me. I accepted that and I moved on from that, right? But you telling me that I can't make a nine ten man rotation on this team is deeper than George. Basketball. After watching this interview, what do you think about Carmelo as a basketball player right now? I came away feeling sad for him. Clearly, it's something that he feels like he's been done wrong uh, on a number of different levels. And I still think he can play on a roster. Um, if he is truly willing to accept a role um, to be just a rotation player off the bench, I think that he deserves to be on someone's roster if that's the case, Jacoby. I just don't know um, what happened in the background. There's two sides to every story. He's telling his side of the story. I'd love to hear what Daryl Morey and Mike D'Antoni and the Rockets felt about his particular actions while he was on their roster, just to be clear on how both sides feel about this. It's interesting. Watching this and listening to him tell the story of, you know, Morey coming to him and him talking to James Harden and Chris Paul and them saying they didn't know anything about it. And I started to feel emotional for Carmelo Anthony. Like I got a little nostalgic. You know, I started thinking about him on the Knicks and this Hall of Fame career that he has and the score that he was and him on the Nuggets. And I've watched these videos of him working out and pick up runs with Chris Brickley and Chris Brickley saying he's better than 75, 70% of the people in the league. And I think Carmelo Anthony should be in the NBA. Like I really feel like Carmelo Anthony should be there. He said he's frustrated. There's 15 players on 30 teams. 450 jobs, and the league is telling him that he's not one of the 450 best basketball players in the world. I think Carmelo Anthony should be on a team, but I just don't. I don't see it happening. Like, what team do you think he could end up on? Man, that's a great question. Um, the Lakers have an open ro- roster spot, so if LeBron wanted him on the team, I'm pretty sure he would be on the Lakers if that were the case. Just based on the way this offseason went, um, 
I don't know if there's necessarily a spot for him. I think that the Knicks would make some sense. Like, they they clearly have a roster that's kind of a mishmash of talent at this particular juncture. And I know he said later, and we could talk about this later, that he didn't actually come out and say he wanted a farewell tour. But I think the Knicks could be one of those teams that could do that. Um, it all depends on where he wants to be. Like, is he okay with being in a situation where he's not trying to win um, and he gets to just be celebrated and get some opportunities to play basketball? Or does he want to take a role on a roster where he may have less minutes, he may not play every single night, and play on a contender? Like, I think it just depends on what he wants to do. And I don't know if we're clear about those particular goals at this point. It's interesting. Like, I, I agree. I think that if LeBron wanted him on the Lakers, he would already be on the Lakers. And we kind of saw what happened with Dwayne Wade on the Cavs. If you remember that Dwayne Wade was on the Cavs because it lasted so short. Like, I don't think that's where he is going to end up. And I think the Knicks, this is going to sound crazy. I think they really think they're a playoff team right now. I mean, the bottom of the East, there's opportunity there. So I don't think that they necessarily want to turn their season into this, like, Carmelo farewell tour thing. It's interesting. Like, I think he belongs in the league, but when you start getting granular about it, you start drilling down, there's no real home for him. Wait, let's hit the brakes. Let's hit the brakes here for a second. Oh, we're hitting the brakes. I love it. You think the Knicks are a playoff team? No, no, no. I said, that's not what I said, sir. Okay. I think the Knicks think that they're a playoff team. Yeah, I mean, the Knicks right now, every team right now, when it's, it's, you know, when it's July, when it's August, every team looks at their roster and says, you know, we could make a run at the playoffs this year. (laughs) But, you know, every single team does. But I do not believe the Knicks will make the playoffs, but I believe the Knicks think the Knicks have a chance at making the playoffs. I mean, the Knicks can think they can make the playoffs, but a team that could start five power forwards probably isn't going to make the playoffs. Like, (laughs) and, and, and I like their plan at 2021, and I do like some of their young players, like, Barrett and Knox and Mitchell Robinson. Um, but yeah, I, I think even they have to temper their expectations some. But I'm glad it wasn't you who thought that the Knicks would make the no, playoffs. No. Please continue, Jacoby. Sorry. Well, Carmelo Anthony also said that uh, he sort of explained why he signed a five-year extension with the Knicks, if you remember way back when. What do mm-hmm. you think about Carmelo's comments on his extension? I mean, he talked about just Wade and LeBron approaching him about an idea of potentially being up at the same time and maybe seeing what happens there if they could become free agents together and perhaps maybe play together. He said that was stuff that they discussed even before they got in the league, you know, when they got to know each other during the draft process, that it would be cool. And we all know about the Banana Boat crew, right? Him and LeBron and CP and D-Wade. But look, he chose money, right? Like he said, I can't give up two extra years of guaranteed cash. Like, I don't know how much longer we can play in this league. Like, I got to make sure to take advantage of the situation I have. What if I get hurt? Like, you know, he kind of alluded to that stuff about the guaranteed cash. But look, man, I'm going to be honest with you, Jacoby, and this may not be a popular take, but I think it actually worked out for the Heat. If he would have joined LeBron and Wade, I don't know if they go to four straight finals. I don't know if they win two championships. Because, yeah, I mean, Carmelo... He's a great offensive player, particularly at that time. But Chris Bosh became the best pick-and-roll defender in the league by pretty much every metric when he was there. He sacrificed his game from, you know, 25 a game to 17 or 18 a game and did all the little things. I, I don't know if that was in Carmelo's DNA at that particular juncture. No. I think that's not an unpopular take. I think that makes perfect sense. I mean, if you put Carmelo Anthony on that Heat team, I don't think they go to four straight finals. And... That team, 
had a certain chemistry that worked for them, and Chris Bosh was a big part of that. Carmelo Anthony, not exactly a big share-the-ball playmaker type, which is what the Heat needed, especially with Dwayne and LeBron. Well, LeBron, after the Heat, he went to the Cavs, and he won a championship, and David Griffin was the GM there. And Sports Illustrated published a profile of David Griffin, and he had... A lot to say about his time with LeBron in the Cavs. And something tells me he sent some apology texts after this was published yesterday because he said that the environment around James and around that team made him miserable. And he said that after winning a championship, James wasn't exactly a winning animal, the same winning animal that he was previous to that championship in Cleveland. Well, LeBron James caught wind of this. And he took to Twitter, as he does. Here's what LeBron James tweeted. All right, all right, enough is enough. The throne has been played with too much. And I am here for horseplay. Ether coming soon. And then some emojis. George, what do you think he means by ether coming soon? Scorched earth, man. That's what's coming, apparently, according to LeBron. Uh, Now, I don't mean necessarily verbally i think he means once he gets back on the court now maybe i'm wrong maybe he is gonna just go out on the record somewhere and just uh you know take people out maybe on the next episode of the shop whenever that's gonna happen (laughs) who knows um but i think it's fascinating the way this whole thing went down because look jacoby i've talked to david griffin on and off the record a bunch of times like he's been on the radio show before and He's been honest about his time with LeBron, but he's always been very forthcoming in the sense of, look, there's challenges with any superstar, right? Like, you got to include him in conversations on anything. But he always talked about the great working relationship he had with LeBron, which, by the way, was also highlighted in this story in Sports Illustrated. But I feel like when this thing went to the editing room, there was a lot of context probably missing um, from some of these comments, right? Like, for example, about the difficulties of the inorganic nature of their team. I mean, he's not wrong about that. Uh, LeBron was signing one-year deals and putting pressure on the franchise uh, because of his mistrust of Dan Gilbert, particularly, uh, to constantly add veteran talent so they can go to the finals and perhaps win a championship. And I, I've always heard David Griffin talk about the challenges of that, but also say, but at the end of the day, we were in the finals, right? So that's all that matters. And that wasn't included in this story. And I feel like David Griffin is going to set the record straight pretty soon. Yeah, I think it's clear that what we do in the media is we take things out of context and we sort of make them seem a certain way, even though they're not that way. It's pretty clear that David Griffin and LeBron James had a good working relationship. There's no tension between David Griffin and LeBron James. LeBron James recently tweeted about David Griffin's wife and the work that she's doing. Like, I don't think there's real tension there, but that doesn't mean that David Griffin wasn't miserable when he said he was miserable. Just because you don't have problems with an individual doesn't mean that you are happy. It just means that he had trouble doing it. And I think that everything he said in this profile was true. Yes. But the way that we take it and spin it can make it seem like it's something that there wasn't. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I, I don't. I agree wholeheartedly. Like, the reality is what he said is absolutely true. Um, anyone who's worked um, with LeBron, and, you know, there's good and there's bad, right? Brian Windhorst says it best, right? Like, you have to basically, you, you take your relationship with LeBron and you have to kind of deal with some of the things that come your way that you may not like, um, but at the end of the day, you're going 
to achieve greatness, right? Like you're going to be either in the finals, you're either going to win a championship, like you're going to get to a point where the season will be satisfactory more times than not. And that's just kind of the give and take of having to work with LeBron James. There's some nonsense you have to deal with, but there's a lot of success that you have to deal with at that point. So I, I do think that those are separate issues, that those things can be mutually exclusive, that the inherent pressure of working under that kind of scrutiny each and every day can drive a person to the brink of depression or the the brink of just inner destruction, right? Like where he's collapsing on the floor, weeping in certain situations. I think all those things can be true. The interesting part, Jacoby, was in that article, there wasn't enough talk about Dan Gilbert and kind of the way he applied pressure to David Griffin. The only thing in that article about... Dan Gilbert and David Griffin was, well, he spends a lot of money. Um, And being around the NBA, you just hear enough things and talk to enough people that understand that Dan Gilbert created a lot of the contentiousness around there, too, um, mostly because of LeBron's mistrust of him and the way that whole thing was handled when he left the first time. Yeah, it was clear. LeBron, he's been upfront about this. That His decision to go back to Cleveland was going back to Cleveland. His reservations about going back to Cleveland had a lot to do with Dan Gilbert. He just happened to see past that. It is now time for News That Matters. It is the middle of summer. It's hot outside. And what better to have a nice little treat than an ice cream sandwich? Well, the people of Oscar Mayer have the ice dog sandwich. It is candied hot dog bits inside of Dijon gelato with hot dog sweet cream ice cream. George, will you be running to your local retailer to get an ice dog sandwich? Nope. Not happening. No. I mean, nope. There's actually, it's funny you brought this up because I thought this was going to be a different ice cream story because there's a place in LA called Cool House, which is fantastic. They are uh, developing a mustard ice cream. And we asked the question on my radio show yesterday if I would have the mustard ice cream. I'm like, nah, not happening. So I'm not doing mustard ice cream in L.A. I'm not doing the Oscar Mayer hot dog sandwich with candied hot dog bits. No, this this is mustard ice cream. Mustard ice cream is involved in this sandwich. And so is something called hot dog sweet cream. But who wants hot dog in ice cream? Like, where in the meeting did someone think this was a good idea? Hot dogs, excellent. Ice cream, excellent. Keep their excellence separate. We do not need that put together. I I agree with you, and I feel like we've jumped the shark now on ice cream, much like we jumped the shark on fancy donuts. Like, I'm good with donuts that have sweet stuff on it. When you're starting to throw, like, maple and bacon together, I'm not a sweet and savory kind of guy. Like, I need them separate. So we are jumping the shark on food as much as I love food. Uh, Yeah, I'm not buying any of this. I'm not doing it. You know what's wildly underrated? Vanilla ice cream. Vanilla ice cream, yes. wildly underrated. Yes. There's a reason it's so good. A little chocolate. Yeah, a little chocolate, too. I'm good with that. Like, let's just keep it simple. Let's get the people what they want. I like it. You know, Janae Gumake is a friend of the show. She's also a member of the Los Angeles Sparks. I took Quincy up to a Los Angeles Sparks Liberty game. Had some of the squad from around the office. We made a sign. It was just so much fun. And... You know my opinions about live music. Not my favorite thing. Too loud. Too late. I'm old. I'm washed. But man, just like bringing my son to this Sparks game, just watching him take in the live event and be with the crowd and be part of the crowd and get the snacks and use the ticket to get in. It just reminded me just that we're making memories. Live events make memories. 
You don't remember the experience of being on the couch the same way you remember the experience of going to a comedy show, a theater production, a music concert, a sporting event. And that's why SeatGeek is so important to my life. When you're buying tickets other places, you're just not sure if they're 100% guaranteed. You don't know if you're getting the best deal. You always know with SeatGeek. What SeatGeek does is it looks at all of the different ways to buy tickets. It picks only the guaranteed tickets and only the best deals. And it has an interface that makes it so easy to know if you're going to get the best deal. You click on the seat. If it's green, you get a good deal. If it's red, you get a bad deal. And you can get an approximation of what the view from that seat will be. So you know exactly what you're getting. You know it's going to be guaranteed. That's why SeatGeek is the best. It rates each deal on a scale from 1 to 10. So you know you're going to get a good deal. And every purchase is fully guaranteed. You can shop for your tickets with confidence. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. It is by far the easiest and fastest way to find tickets. I use nothing else to buy tickets except for SeatGeek. In fact, I use the app all the time. And get this, SeatGeek will even give you $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. That's right. All you need to do is use our promo code. Download the SeatGeek app today. Use the promo code Jacoby. You will get $10 off your first purchase. That is SeatGeek app from the App Store. Download it to your phone. Your first purchase using the SeatGeek app with those guaranteed tickets will get $10 off when you use the promo code Jacoby. Get out there. Make some memories. Use SeatGeek. George, we had NFL football last night. Sure, it was just the Hall of Fame game. It was kind of meaningless and the Stars didn't play. But we had live NFL football and we had our very first... Pass interference review. Now, I have a topic here. I think that if you review any single play, you're going to see pass interference. It's just that prevalent. So we had a review. There was a challenge. A pass interference was called, and pass interference was upheld. George, don't you feel like this is going to be the case every time they review pass interference? Yeah, this is going to be a situation where we're constantly going to be having stoppages in the game. Look, they always say you could call holding on every single play in the NFL along the offensive line. I I think what you're going to see here early on in the preseason and maybe early in the regular season is a lot of these calls. Then people just throwing their hands up like, come on, man, enough of this stuff. You're slowing the game down too much. Um, And then they'll kind of dial it back some and then people are going to get upset again because they'll miss a particular call it's just a vicious cycle that we're working in it is there's there's going to be no time when they throw a flag for pass interference and they review it and they actually determine that the act they never made contact like it's just not going to happen right there's a reason they break out the flag there's going to be contact there like i just feel like this is going to be the cycle as you mentioned there's going to be a pass interference call there's going to be a flag a flag thrown and then it's going to be upheld and we're going to see that over and over and over again yeah well, that was football. It was fun to watch. No, nope. Broncos, Falcons. <laughs> hey, Matt, Matt Schaub played in a game. I didn't even know he was yeah, in the league. Yeah, shout out yes. to Matt Schaub. Yeah, yeah, big shout to Matt Schaub. Yeah. And, of course, the Falcons and the Broncos were on the field, but this is the national media, so we're going to talk about the Cowboys. After Cowboys practice yesterday, Jerry Jones was asked about getting a deal done with his holdout star running back, Ezekiel Elliott, and he said, if he's worried about it, he said, no, I don't in any way. When have I never... When have I ever not done one? little confusing verbiage there, but he's basically saying, (laughs) I always end up paying these guys regardless. 
So do you think this is all negotiating through the media and he will end up playing week one? Or do you think they could actually start the season without Ezekiel Elliott? No, I think they're going to pay him. Jerry's too smart. Like, he realized that when he went on the record with the local TV station the other day that everyone was like, dude, did you forget in 1993 when Emmett Smith held out for two games and you started off 0-2 that you ended yep. up paying him anyway? Uh, at the time, a record of 13 and change. Um, so he's going to pay Ezekiel Elliott. They're 28-12 and 12 in the 40 games where he plays. Clearly, they've won two NFC East crowns because of Ezekiel Elliott. He's the straw that stirs the drink there. No disrespect to Dak or Amari Cooper, but Ezekiel Elliott has to eat first, and that's why he's got to get paid first. I think he will get paid first. And you also mentioned Amari Cooper and Dak, and all of these players want new contracts. And if they all get new contracts, that will chew up a bunch of the salary cap. And Jerry Jones spoke about how he would manage the salary cap with the Cowboys. Let's take a listen. One of the main jobs we've got is uh, managing our resources to put a football team on the field. And we want to keep this opportunity in place, as I personally see this opportunity, we want to keep it in place here for several years. Certainly individually, they want to be recognized when it comes to the money, but on the other hand, uh, it's got to fit our plan. So he wants to keep them there for several years. Do you think he'll end up paying this trio and keeping this trio for several years? Man, um, I think if they do that, they're going to have a very small margin for error. Like, you literally have to hit on almost every draft pick after that. Yep. Um, you have to be much more cost uh, conscious with every other position. They've got the defense right here recently. Like, is that a situation where you may have to cut some ties there uh, to be able to kind of sacrifice for the greater good on offense? Because let's face it, the way that that league works with a hard cap you, it's hard to be good on both sides, right? You either have to yes. be really good on defense or really awesome on offense, and or you spread the wealth all over and you're just pretty good on both sides. And if you pay all three of those guys, you're going to have to sacrifice somewhere, and it looks like it's going to have to be on defense. It's interesting. Like If you look at these three players, they're all excellent players. They're all better than average their position. But I don't know if this is a Super Bowl trio. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if I'm looking at, at, at Dak and Amari Cooper and Ezekiel Elliott. I think individuals in a vacuum, they're great players. But is that a Super Bowl trio? I'm not really sure. Do you think this team has Super Bowl potential? Uh, I think the NFC is too tough. Like, I, I'm not as sold on Dak Prescott, to be honest with you. Um, if you look at him, I think he's a good quarterback. I think he's better than a game manager. Like, he's good, not great. It doesn't mean he can't continue to ascend and grow because he's so young. Um, but right now, I just don't know if you can get to a Super Bowl with him and Amari and Ezekiel. If you don't do it in the first year or two, and then all of a sudden those contracts start to balloon and you start losing the other aspects of your roster that make you good, then I think that you you find yourself in a much deeper hole. And then, yeah, your window is closed, basically, and you've got these ballooning contracts that have made your situation even worse. Well, somebody tells me this won't be the last time we talk about the contracts of the Cowboys. But there's also some other players that want to get paid. Um, Jalen Ramsey of the Jaguars, he is not holding out, but he is in <laughs> camp. But he's also got a $20 bill attached to his pads just to remind everybody sort of where his head is at. What do you think about the $20 bill on the pads? I mean, this is way more subtle than the armored uh, vehicle he came in yes. and showed up to camp in, clearly. Uh, but still, the message is the same. Uh, I think he got uh, a lot of grief over that. I'm sure Tom Coughlin and Doug Marone were not necessarily excited about the armored car. This probably irks them a little bit, but even they have to laugh about this. You see that, you have to laugh. The fact that it's yes. attached to his pads. Like, it, it's funny. The other stuff may be uh, a little excessive. This comedic timing was perfect. 
It is. Do you think he has a $20 bill because of his jersey number, or do you think that's just what he had around? Uh, I think a combination of both. I think that he's he's smart enough to understand, hey, the 20 is my number, and then uh, it's still a sign for money. I need to get paid. Pay me my money, man. Um, if a Harriet Tubman 20 was available, I'm sure he would use that, but we still haven't seen those quite yet. Nope. Clay Thompson caught up with Carrie Champion at the Call of Duty Modern Warfare multiplayer reveal in Los Angeles. And Clay Thompson had a message for all of those, like me, who are doubting the Warriors this season. I think that's a little premature to say there's no more dynasty. I mean, we still have Stephen Curry, a two-time MVP, Draymond Green, a defense player of the year. Adding D'Angelo Russell was an incredible get for us. I mean, the kid's going to blossom into a superstar in this league. That gave Honestly, me and my teammates a breath of fresh life, seeing him come on board. To say the dynasty is over, I think, is a little ignorant because I think I'm going to come back 110%. I think I'm going to come back even better and more athletic, and I would just not – it would not be smart to count the dubs out. That's all George, people. according to Clay Thompson, I am ignorant. He said it. He I said mean, if, you, if you're counting the Warriors out, then it's kind of ignorant, and I'm counting the Warriors out. Am I in the wrong? Like, they've been to the finals, like, it seems like nine straight years – but without KD, I just don't see this team getting back. Okay, so what is counting them out? Like, what is your position on them? They're not a playoff team. They're not getting to the finals. Just, I need to know what your oh, position I is. I would never, ever fix my lips and say a team that has Steph Curry and Draymond Green and will return Klay Thompson won't make the playoffs. But I'm counting them out as championship contenders. That's where I'm drawing the line. I'm saying this team is not contending for a championship this year. See, I would disagree with that because Ooh. I'm with I'm with Clay. I think that if, if he comes back by the All-Star break, now look, there's a caveat there, obviously, and he can get, you know, five, six weeks in before the playoffs start and he gets himself rolling, yeah, I give them a, at least a puncher's chance to get to the finals and potentially win a championship. If you've got those three guys healthy and rolling in the playoffs, plus D'Angelo Russell, uh, I think that they have an opportunity to to absolutely win a championship if, again, all those things come together at the what? same time. Like, I, I don't think it's 100 very likely necessarily because I just think that we can't ever account for injuries. But if those factors come together, I, I'm not counting them out. Yeah, I think they can win any series in that spot. I understand where your head's at, but when you start getting granular about it, you start, like, getting into it, they have to win three playoff series, right? So would you mm-hmm. pick them? In a playoff series against the Rockets, probably not. Would you pick him against the Clippers? Probably not. Would you pick him against the Lakers? Probably not. Would you pick him against the Nuggets? Probably not. The oh, Jazz, I just, oh, no, no, probably whoa, whoa, whoa. not. Against so they would the have Rockets, to win three of those. Against the they would Rockets, have to yes. Win three of those. Okay. Against the Rockets, yes. Against the Nuggets, yes. Against the Lakers and Clippers, it just depends, right? Like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I need to see what those teams look like and what their health situations are. Like, we don't know what's going to happen. But if we're talking about uh, everyone is 100% healthy, I think that it's more of a toss-up than you're giving it credit for, even against the Clippers and the Lakers, if they're all well, healthy. All right. I will bet on the field. You will bet on Willie Cauley-Stein. That's, that's, that's what it boils down to. Okay. That's, what, that's what it boils down to. Willie, do you think D'Angelo Russell stays on this team? Like, Do you think, if we're talking about the playoffs now, do you think D'Angelo Russell is on this team in the playoffs? That's an interesting factor right there. Yes, I think this year he's going to be on the team. And don't be... Don't be knocking Willie Cauley-Stein. I actually think he's a better fit for this particular team than DeMarcus Cousins was because yes. he's going to rebound the ball. He's going to block shots. He's going to roll to the rim and finish that way. Like I think that at, yep. at center, they may be better off for what they want to do with a combination of Willie Cauley-Stein and Kevon Looney. 
I, I think that's fair. I, I think I think that is fair to say. I mean, Willie Colley Stein is not, you know, Andrew Bogut. He's an upgrade from there. Moving on. Well, David Griffin had a lot to say in the Sports Illustrated profile. And, of course, we all focus on the part that has to do with LeBron James. But he also spoke about his current Pelicans team. And he said this about their approach to the upcoming season. Quote, we'll probably play the fastest style of ball that's been played maybe ever. We're going to be able to defend at an alarming pace. Now, this wouldn't be that much of a change for the Pelicans, who, if you remember, they played a very fast-paced basketball before Griffin and Zion and Lonzo even got to town. What do you think about this proclamation about their pace? Oh, I love it, and I think he's right. As you pointed out, when it was Rondo running the show, who's not necessarily a guy who is considered a pace type of point guard with Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins, and they had Nikola Mirotic and those guys, they were, I believe, either first or second in pace that year. And if you look at the young Lakers, they've always been in that top ten as far as pace is concerned since they've been in the league. And even last season, I want to say they finished fourth in pace, and, and that's without Lonzo playing the whole year and Ingram mm-hmm. obviously missing time. So they absolutely can be that team that can run up and down the floor. They've got a ton of young legs. Really outside of J.J. Redick, uh, most guys are in their prime. Um, so, yeah, I think it's absolutely possible. You see, again, like they were fast already, but as you mentioned, you add these players and you add this philosophy. I actually love this for them, and I love this for Gentry. They don't have championship expectations. They don't even have playoff expectations. You've got this young group. Why not get a little gimmicky with the style of play? Like when they, when you watch them in the playoffs, they would get the ball out of the basket and just sprint up the court like it was a fast break. And I think if they do that, they can beat some teams, some older teams, some more experienced teams, some teams that might be enjoying the French Quarter the night before they play the Pelicans. Like I think this could translate into actual wins for them. I'm not trying to say they're going to make the playoffs or contend or anything like that, but I think this is a really good philosophy for them that could translate into wins. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And Alvin Gentry, again, we pointed out what he did just a couple of years ago, but let's not forget where he comes from. The Mike D'Antoni Phoenix system, yep. which at that time was considered an incredible pace for what they were doing and revolutionizing the game in that particular at that particular juncture of the league. So yeah, I think that this fits exactly with what they want to do and they have the roster to be able to pull that off. I'm with you. Will they contend maybe for like an eight seed? Could they be in that mix? Yeah, sure. I don't think they're making the playoffs necessarily because the West is too tight. Um, but I think that they can push some of those older teams and maybe run them off the floor on a given night and, and make it easy for them. They can end up having some blowout wins against some of these older teams. And you want this. Like, if you're, if you're Lonzo, if you're Zion, if you're Jackson Hayes, if you're Ingram, you want to hear this. Like, you want to hear this from your GM. You want to hear this from your coach. Like, I think this is invigorating and this is going to be good for them and it's going to make me watch them on League Pass. I'm going to watch this team a lot on. Oh, league pass. they are. I really league, am. League pass. I'm special. really going to watch. I cannot wait to watch double yeah. digit losses by the Pelicans and just just enjoy <laughs> every second of them. I cannot wait. The Pelicans will be probably my number one league pass team this year. David Griffin also had some other things to say that had nothing to do with LeBron James. He talked about Zion Williamson, and here's what he had to say. Quote: He's the guy who's touched by the hand of God to be an ooh ah athlete. And all he wants to do are the things that help teams win. I think he looks at it like, if I'm Draymond Green with rockets in my bleep, then okay. I don't think he cares. 
Interesting. I, you know what? I love July and August because everything is just so full of hope and roses and every team is so happy with everybody. July and August are just, just, just such happy months in the NBA calendar. What do you think about the latest from Griffin on Zion and his Rockets? By the way, I just like the fact that we're talking about like major NBA storylines in August. Like this is incredible. Yes. I think that goes to show you how much the league has grown. Uh, but I would like to see Rockets uh, in Zion's uh, bleep. It would make the game a little more fun. That's for sure. Uh, you know, it, it, you know, he's already athletic enough as it is. I don't necessarily think he needs the Rockets per se. Uh, but here's the one thing I learned about Zion at Summer League, Jacoby. Uh, after talking to the Pelicans people, you know, the coaching staff, you know, Griff and whatnot, the one common thread is he is all about the team. He didn't even want to do mm. interviews by himself. Like, he wanted to do things with his teammates constantly. He is a team-first type of guy, so he's got kind of that Draymond mentality. Um, you know, and it's funny because Alvin Gentry told me a story that, uh, you know, and this kid, obviously he's a great kid, but the mom came to him, Sharonda, and said to oh. Alvin, if you have any problems with him, you call me right away. And Alvin <laughs> said, Rhonda. yeah, yeah. And Alvin says he told Griff, we're not going to have any issues with this kid. We're going to be just fine with him. <laughs> well, I, I hope that they never have to call Sharonda. Big shout to Sharonda. I'm, you know what? I'm kind of loving this Draymond Green comparison. One that hadn't come up until about two or three days ago, but it kind of does make sense. Like he's a little undersized, but he can play big. We don't really know what his position is, much like Draymond. He can do a lot with the ball. He's a better playmaker than you think he is. He doesn't really have a great jump shot, also like Draymond. Like this comparison makes a lot of sense to me. And I also think that if you're Draymond Green, you're enjoying every second of your name being associated with one of the biggest talents that we've ever seen enter the league and the draft. I just hope Zion stays healthy. I'm a little concerned about his health. Yeah. Like, you know, we've, the last few times I've seen him play basketball, he has hurt himself. Do you think Zion needs to, I don't know, maybe take some pounds off? Man, I saw him at Summer League. He looked a little heavy. Um, I talked to Kendrick Perkins there. Vince Carter were guys I was working with at Summer League. They all felt he needed to lose. Like, Kendrick went as far as, like, 30 or 40. I thought that was excessive. Um, but look, Mike Krzyzewski came out and said that he was surprised he played at Summer League because he was on the victory tour, on the trophy circuit tour, and he yep. didn't feel like he was in shape to play at Summer League. So when your coach is saying it and other NBA players are saying it, who am I to go against those guys? I don't think the New Orleans cuisine is going to help him trim down, but hopefully he can figure that out. If you have a small business or you're in a hiring position at a big business, there will be no decision that you make that will change the bottom line, the success of your business, long-term or short-term, than the people that you hire. And hiring is hard, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart, a place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates, and that place ZipRecruiter.com slash J-A-N-D-J. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash J-A-N-D-J. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. They've got powerful matching technology. ZipRecruiter scans through thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply for your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one, spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter works so well that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, Jalen and Jacoby listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash J-A-N-D-J. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash J-A-N-J. ZipRecruiter.com slash J-A-N-J. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. George. 
Not everything is worth discussing in this world of sports and pop culture, so we have a segment called Keep It Moving. If you want to discuss the topic, you say hit the brakes. If you don't, me, you, and Method Man jump in the minivan and keep it moving. Are you ready, Mr. Sedano? Yes, sir. Born ready, man. Let's do it. First, we have this. Le'Veon Bell has more information for fantasy owners. Keep it moving or hit the brakes. Hit the brakes. I'm curious. My spirit animal. He says that he wishes... He could have warned fantasy owners last year about his lack of production. He wishes he could go back in time and warn fantasy owners. Do you think he really cares about fantasy owners? He wishes he could have told people not to draft him. No, I, I, I think he... He's just trying to appease people because clearly there were a lot of people that were upset. And who? no one likes to be disliked, Jacoby. And I'm sure yeah. his Twitter and Instagram was full of a lot of hate because people are selfish. We only care about ourselves in these scenarios. And we don't treat these guys like humans in fantasy football. So I think he's just doing the Jedi mind trick of, look, I, I'll, I'll take care of you guys this year. Just ride with me this year and just stop sending me hate. Just that. That's his move. It's like I think that athletes, rightfully so, complain about people in the media and fans not really like treating them as actual people. And football players have it even worse because not only do we just appreciate what they do on the field, we all have them on our fantasy teams, yes. and yes. that's really all we care about. Like I think football players are now realizing that the relationship that they have with their fans is not simply player fan; it's also player fan, fantasy football general manager. And I think they're now sort of catering to that a little bit. And this is Le'Veon Bell looking at his mentions in the last year, understanding how much how much hatred he got from. My co-host Jalen Rose as well, who drafted him first and kept him almost the entire year, <laughs> that they're now trying to sort of make amends through the media. And yeah. you know what? It shouldn't be this way, but that's the way it is. Fantasy is very much a part of our football experience here in America. Moving on. Tom Brady talked about what he is missing. Keep it moving or hit the brakes. Oh, hit the brakes. I'm curious. Well, Tom Brady was asked in camp about missing Rob Gronkowski, and here's what he had to say. He's a great player, and to replace great players, you know, that's it's not like you just pick another one off the tight entry, you know. You can't just go out back. you got to find guys that come in and want to put the work in, want to try to contribute. Days like today are frustrating for us, and we got to, you know, learn from the corrections and try to come out and have a better day tomorrow. George, am I wrong to think that it is kind of like the Patriots just pick receivers off of some sort of tree like Chris Hogan? Like it does, if, if any team in the world does have a tree that they can just pick players off of and turn them into productive NFL players, it is the Patriots. But look at this full screen, right? This is the notable Patriots wide receivers this year. Can they do it again with this core? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like they can? All, yes, because they're just Tom Brady. Like it's just Tom Brady. Like as long as he's got Edelman healthy, that's his go-to guy. They do like Nikhil Harry, uh Herm Edwards. Yep. Um, had him at Arizona State. He, you know, Bill Belichick called Herm. Herm felt good uh, about telling Bill to take him. And look, Demarius Thomas, like all of a sudden he could have a bounce back type of year. I think if the Patriots can resuscitate uh, anyone, I think he's uh, a prime candidate for that. But here's the deal. You know, we had Tom versus Time on that Facebook, uh, on Facebook, I guess. I'd love mm -hmm. to see like a Tom and Gronk Facebook. Like, I want to know what their real relationship was like. I need some more Gronk in my life. I need to know if Tom was really hanging with Gronk somewhere. That's what I want to know. I mean, the, the, they'll be fine during the season. They'll start slow. We'll all count them out. They eventually will win and they'll get back to the Super Bowl. We know that's how it's going to play out. But I need to know about Tom and Gronk's relationship. Give me a Facebook show about that. 
I do. We do need that. I just want more Rob Gronkowski in my life. Seriously. Like, we need more Rob Gronkowski content in the world. Please make that a thing. Moving on. We have new information about Melvin Gordon's holdout. Keep it moving or hit the brakes. Nah, keep it moving. We keep it moving. We'll keep it moving. We keep it moving. A Guinness World Record was broken, and it will astonish you. Keep moving or hit the brakes. Oh, hit the brakes. Let's take a look at this gentleman by the name of Chris Spell. Do something in the gym that, you know, just normal. Just just a box jump on top of that. Like, wh- how? Just how, George? How is that humanly possible? I don't know, man. Like, that guy's got springs um, in his feet. Or maybe, like, uh, you know, David Griffin referred to uh, Zion with rockets in his bleep. Maybe he's got rockets in his bleep maybe and we he just does. can't see them. Maybe he does. And one time for a Katie Nolan show, we had to break a Guinness Book of World Records record. They take this very seriously. There's all kinds of stipulations. Like, these people are, are sticklers for detail. So congratulations to Mr. Spell. I think this was his third attempt at doing it. And I'm really glad that he accomplished this. Those people at Guinness, detail-oriented, let me tell you. <laughs> Moving on. Canelo will be stripped of a belt. Keep it moving or hit the brakes. Hit the brakes. Camelo and his promoters could not agree to a deal for a mandatory bout against Sergei Derevyachenko, mm. so he will now lose his IBF title. Do you think that is fair? Uh, if he's not willing to fight the guy, then yeah, I do think it's fair. But if you're Canelo, you just signed a $300 million deal uh, a year or so ago. So I don't think you should be worried too much. And boxing has just gotten so strange. As much as I love the sport, you know, and I grew up on the sport, Jacoby, it, it's just too fragmented, man. There's too many titles. There's too many belts. Like, it just, you know, let's try to figure out a way to kind of unify things more uh, and streamline things more. I think it'll make it better for fans. Like we are lucky enough here on Jalen Jacoby to be joined by a lot of boxers, and it seems like every single person that comes into the studio is a champion. Yes, you know what I mean. It's like there are so many belts and there are so many championships. And there's so many titles that it just seems like every boxer has some sort of belt at on them at the moment. Moving on, we have news about professional gamer Ninja. Keep it moving or hit the brakes. Hit the brakes. Ninja made a big announcement. He will no longer stream on Twitch. He's going to Microsoft's Mixer. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I'm watching people play video games on Twitch, but a lot of people are. Do you think this move is significant? Uh, I do. I think it's smart for him, right? He gets his own branding. It's kind of like when Dwayne Wade, you know, left uh, Nike mm. and went to Lee Ning and kind of started his own thing. And then you saw Clay Thompson do that with sneakers as well. He went to Anta. You know, like to me, that's smart. Blaze your own trail. I'm all in on Ninja. Yeah, somebody tells me that he's going to get paid a lot of money to be using Mixer instead of Twitch. So good for him. Yep. We had real National Football League action last night, which just gave us a little taste of what's to come for this upcoming season. One of the things I'm excited for, Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray, and the Cardinals. Kyler Murray said this about his approach to the upcoming season. He said he does not feel any pressure as the number one pick in the draft. He doesn't feel any pressure at all. Is that a good or a bad sign for the Cardinals? Oh, I love it. I think that they're going to be bad. So I, I don't think that he should have any pressure. Like, I don't think anyone is expecting them to do anything. They're going to be picked to finish last in their division, uh, which, by the way, the division's not all that good to begin with. Um, so they're not going to be a good team. 
It's going to be kind of one of these ex- wild experiments. People are hoping it fails, I think, in a lot of cases, particularly the old-school NFL guys. I'm rooting mm-hmm. for Kyler and Cliff Kingsbury. I want the air raid to succeed because we've already seen kind of some semblances of it in the NFL. Let's just go all in. Let's do it. I'm, I'm rooting for them. So we have, a, we have a saying here that happiness is a function of expectations, right? And I think that you hit the nail on the head. It's like no one expects this team to be any good. And, and no one expects the air raid to take over, you know, to take over the league in one year. They get a year to experiment. They get a year to sort of get their feet underneath them. My only concern is if Kyler Murray, with all of the questions about him and his height and his interest in baseball going into the draft, if he starts throwing a lot of interceptions and it starts to look like a little bit of a mess, don't you feel like he'll start feeling the pressure then? Um, yeah, but you could always just kind of chalk it up to they've got a stinky team, that he's a rookie. Like, there's going to be all those outs for them, potentially. Um, he'll take some heat, but at the end of the day, they're the Arizona Cardinals. There's just not any real expectations on him. Sometimes things happen in the world of sports that need to be broken down in minutia-level detail, and that's why we have a segment called Going to the Table. So when celebrities go out and about, a lot of the time they try to play low-key, you know, put on some sunglasses, maybe a baseball hat low so maybe no one can recognize them. Cam Newton, that's not his approach. Let's just check in on Cam at Walmart. So TMZ Sports has his footage. He's got overalls with no shirt on underneath, a hat with a Chanel scarf under it. Or I believe it's Chanel. I don't know what designer that is. What do you think about Cam's just, you know, running errands in that outfit? Hey, man, look, if he wants to, if that's how he feels comfortable and he wants to roll like that, you're Cam Bleeping Newton. Who the hell am I to decide? Like, I'm no fashionista by any stretch of the imagination. You roll how you want to roll, man. You're comfortable in your own skin. Own it. I mean, here's the thing. Let me tell you a quick story. I've got a leather jacket. It's kind of flashy, and I don't feel comfortable in it. Like, I, I put it on, and I don't feel comfortable leaving the house. It just doesn't feel like me. It's like a leather jacket. I just can't pull it off. The confidence of Cam Newton to just walk the streets in these outfits is it's just otherworldly. Like, God bless this man that puts that outfit on, looks in the mirror on his way out of the house, and he's like, yep, let's go to Walmart. I'm going to pull this thing off. It's shocking. It's shocking to me. I wish I had one smidgen of the confidence that Cam Newton does to pull off these outfits. Amen to that. That's for sure. Um, we have some important information to update the audience on. Number one. We do? Reggie, not on the show yesterday. Reggie had car trouble. Whoa. Called out. Mm. George, do you believe Reggie actually had car trouble? Yes, I believe Reggie. Uh, Reggie is a gentleman and a scholar. Um, I, uh, I, I'm not going to sit here and call him a liar by any stretch of the imagination. And I don't know about you, Jacoby, um, you know, but the last time you may have had car trouble, you know, chances are it's bad enough where you can't get to work. Like, yeah. if you have car trouble, like, it usually means big trouble. Yeah. Let's be real. Like, cars aren't – little things just don't happen to cars. It's usually big things. All right. Well, a couple things. Number one, you I don't think drive. car trouble yeah. isn't I'm gone the entire day. It's I'm delayed an hour or two, what? which is a little suspicious. What? And he said it only cost him $100 to fix. So what could possibly be so much trouble that it only costs $100 to fix? Maybe and he said it's a new car. Okay. Was it like some sort of like electrical thing that maybe didn't get the car rolling? You know, it could have been that. Nope. Well, we don't allow Reggie to speak on the program because <laughs> um, you'll hear in your ear some of the things that he does say are just so ridiculous that he's not allowed to have a microphone. So he can't explain for himself. 
Reggie's my guy, man. He always sets me up when I'm on the jump. So I, I, can't, I have nothing but good things to say about Reggie. Oh, I have nothing but bad things to say about Reggie. And let's see if Reggie <laughs> has a voicemail available. Yo, what's up, guys? This is Britton Conover calling all the way from Rock Springs, Wyoming. Just want to say that I really love your guys' show. It's a, you guys do a phenomenal job. Shout out, Reg. Shout out, whole crew. Shout out. You know, keep up the good work, you guys. So this is a two-part question for... Jalen and Jacoby about the Utah Jazz. So for Jalen, I wanted to know, who do you think on the Jazz will have a bigger impact this season as the Jazz become bigger contenders in the West? Boyan Bogdanovich or Mike Conley? And then for you, Jacoby, what are your thoughts about the odds of Donovan Mitchell winning the most improved player for the 2019-2020 season. Thank you, thank you, you guys. Uh, shout out Rock Springs. Shout out 307. Got to represent. Shout Peace. Out. Shout out Rock Springs. Thank you so much for the call. George, two questions. We'll start with the first. Originally meant for Jalen, but you know he really meant George. Yep. Um, yep. Who will have a bigger impact on the Jazz? Mike Conley or Boyan Bogdanovich? Uh, overall, I would go with Mike Conley because even though Boyan Bogdanovich is the better offensive player, uh, and I, I am one of these guys that watched some Indiana basketball, I actually did a couple of their games this year. Like, Bogdanovich will compete on defense. Like, he's a better defender than I think most people will give him credit for, mm-hmm. but Conley's an elite defender. Yeah. So I think on that end, he has the clear edge. Um, Bogdanovich better defensively, but I think Conley, just from a leadership perspective, kind of takes something off the plate of Donovan Mitchell, a young player who is still trying to grow into that particular role. So overall impact, I'm going to say Conley, uh, but Bogdanovich is going to be a really good player for them. Bogdanovich is interesting. I was watching that Celtics Pacers series, and there were some close games at the end. They would just give the ball to Bogdanovich and run pick and rolls for him. Like that's what they were doing in the playoffs to win games. Yeah, like that. That it's a good. It's a testament to the quality of offensive player that Bogdanovich is. Also a testament to how badly the Pacers were missing Oladipo. Yeah, but I think Mike Conley just. From the simple standpoint that he'll handle the ball more, and he provides the Jazz something that they've missed. I mean, you know, Rubio was fine, but Mike Conley is obviously a big step up from there. Um, as far as his second question, Donovan Mitchell for most improved player, Donovan Mitchell has an interesting story with just two years in the league. Um, his rookie season breakout star. Uh, yeah. those, those playoff performances that he had were just like, wow, we've got a brand new all-NBA potential caliber player here. This is so much fun. Look at the league. It's got some new stars. And last year was a lot more quiet. Um, Do you see that as sophomore slumping or do you see that as uh, the league kind of figuring him out? I think it's more about the league understanding what he was good at and also the Jazz asking him to do things that he may not have been 100% comfortable with, like handling the ball more. Um, And he's good handling the ball if he's going to be the primary scorer in those situations. But he was asked to kind of set guys up, too, which I don't think was something he was 100% comfortable with. But, look, it's going to be a facet of his game that he has to develop. So I didn't blame Quinn Snyder for wanting to see what that looked like because I do think ultimately that's going to be something that he's going to need to uh, continue to develop. So uh, I just think it's more about the league just adjusting. Yeah. I think that Conley will help um, Mitchell a lot. And, you know, I do believe in Mitchell. I believe in that rookie year, Mitchell. Like I think, I think we're going to see that again. We're going to see the yeah. thirty-point games and the forty-point games. 
George, I'm going to say something that's very unpopular amongst basketball circles. Uh-oh. And we're putting it on wax. I don't see it. I don't see the Jazz being this contender. Like, I just don't see it. Why? Everybody sees it. Every, everybody else is just like, oh, yeah. Well, I don't think Gobert provides enough offensively. And, like, and Gobert in the playoffs just doesn't do it for me. And... Donovan Mitchell is a star, but I want to see rookie year Donovan Mitchell come back. You know, I'm just I'm just not sold on like, you know, Bogdanovich and Conley and I don't know. When you look at the other teams in the West, I just I just think they're like a clear number five, if not six. Well, here's the thing. I think that you have to kind of make sure that everything gets slotted properly. Like Bogdanovich, as you pointed out, as a number two in the Eastern Conference, if Victor Oladipo is healthy, would be fine. Um, but now he's slotted as a number three, basically. And I actually think that in the West, that's comparable. Like, he can have similar um, statistical success. Um, but I just think defensively, they can choke you, man. Like, they've been one of the better defensive teams in the league the last couple yep. years. And now they've added a guy in Mike Conley who's an excellent defender at the point of attack. And as I mentioned, Bogdanovich is a guy who can defend very well, too. Um, I don't think he's an elite defender, but he's good. And yep. I-, I just think that collectively, defensively, they'll be able to keep you in games, and they've got more firepower offensively than they've had in previous years. So they've ascended yeah. to me into that top four or five, but the top West four? is so hard. Four or five. Four? four or five. Because I mean, if you play it out, you've got the Nuggets, the two LA teams, right. and the Rockets. See, I yeah. Just don't, but that's they're why. not going to host the playoff series. But I don't necessarily guarantee that the Rockets in the regular season are going to be a team that's going to gel to have regular season no. success. Like, I, I don't know what that's going to look like yet. Like, I have a better feeling for what the Jazz will look like offensively, Fair. and I sure as hell know what they're going to look like defensively. So because of that, uh, I, I think that they've got a shot for home court advantage in the first round. And Rich. look, man, if they get the right matchups, they could find themselves – in this, in the second round, maybe even in the conference finals. I don't see it in the conference finals, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I think, I don't know. If I had even odds, I would probably bet on the Jazz not winning a playoff series this year. Really? See, no, I would, I would bet on the you Jazz winning a playoff series. Winning a playoff series. I mean, who, depends on who so, they face, right? Like, if well, they're, they're going to be it, the five seed, you know, they're going to face one of these four teams, the two LA teams, the Rockets, or the Nuggets. Yeah, I would. One I would teams. take them again. I would probably take them against the Rockets. Like I would consider it. I yeah. don't think. I don't. I think it's a toss up. I think the, them and the Nuggets is a toss up. Yeah. Um, I don't think they could beat the LA teams. No. But let that's me remind it. you. Let me remind you. Last time the the Jazz and the Rockets played in the playoffs, they decided to guard James Harden from behind him. I just wanted to remind you of that. I do remember they that. To, they, yes. They decided to guard James Harden from behind James Harden. But they they also did a really good job of defending Russell Westbrook a couple years ago. So there's that aspect of it yeah, too. They did. Um, and, and, and again, I, I just don't know what that mix is going to look like in the playoffs. Like, I think you can scheme against Russell Westbrook at this point because of his lack of shooting. Hopefully that changes. Hopefully that Russ is more efficient at the free throw line. If he does that, then, yeah, I would give the Rockets uh, a, a, a better chance to beat the Jazz. But I just think defensively they are so stout that they can win a series for sure, in my opinion. Yeah. Well... Let's bet 10 push-ups on it. Let's do payable, it. Payable in about 10 months, yeah. nine months. Yeah, yeah. All like right, it. Reggie, Reggie, make a note. <laughs> and uh, one of us will be doing push-ups on camera. Look okay. forward to it. George, where can our listeners listen to you? 
They can listen to me on ESPN LA 710 if they live in LA, like on the regular terrestrial radio. Uh, on the ESPN app, they can find it as well if you look in the audio section of the ESPN app or Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts like the ESPN Pod Center, etc. And you can also catch George often on The Jump. Thank you so much for joining us a couple times this week. Look forward to having you back. We will be back on Monday. Why is that, KRS? My nipples. Seriously. My nipples. Seriously. Seriously. I hate you, Reg. My nipples. <laughs> <laughs>